genre. Please, please, huh? a moment to reflect. Ah. Hello, and welcome to a brand new show. Uh, this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute presents Back Issues, where we're going to pick and choose some uh, select issues from the Ninja Turtles comics uh, franchise and uh, talk about them. Not exactly one minute at a time, because, you know, uh, how fast I read a comic book might be different from how fast Scott reads a comic book, so that's not going to really work. But uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do just some kind of... We're going to explore... Some of the, the different variations of the turtles, how they came to be. Uh, we're going to do some comparing, contrasting. Today, specifically, we have issue number one of the original Mirage black and white series by uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, along with the IDW series, the first issue with Eastman, Waltz, and Duncan. So we're going to see, hold these side by side, see how they measure up as issue ones. Uh, I am Adam Sheehan. Um, with me, as always, is Scott Tofty. Hi, Adam. Hi. There's only two of us today. Usually, it's nerve wracking listening to you do an introduction. I'm like, where do I jump in? I, <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> um, no, but that's it. I, we were pretty excited. You know, we're, we we the genesis of this show comes from the fact that we've kind of put uh, turtles. Secret of the Use Minute on hold for a little bit while we attend to some some real life stuff, and we thought, what other kind of cool, fun concepts could we come up with? And this is one of them. This sort of compare contrast comic. There's so many different versions of Turtles comic books. Like, let's just talk about them. And uh, I know you've been talking about comic books, specifically IDW, throughout our entire first season and now into our second season. And uh, I'm usually the one that refers back to the Mirage series. So this just seems to be a good fit. Yeah, it's a good jumping on point. <laughs> yeah, so I think the thesis statement today is uh, how do these respective issue number ones function as an introduction to their respective universes? Universi? Sure. Un- univ- univum? <laughs> Um, so I guess we'll do it this way. Let's, let's sum up, you know, we'll keep a little bit of the minute format. I'm going to try to sum up the Mirage book in, in under a minute plot wise. And then Adam's going to do the same for IDW. And then we're just going to have a conversation. Uh, you know, so here we go. One minute of Mirage. Uh, so the Mirage book, I'm holding a free comic book day printing of issue number one signed by Peter Laird back in 2010. I think I mailed away and he sent this to me. I still haven't met the man as much as I'd like to, but spoilers ahead. So issue one starts with uh, this very noir kind of narration by Leonardo as the turtles are backed into a corner in their first ever street fight. They are up against the purple dragons. Uh... And the turtles whip their butts. We come to find out it was their first fight as they make it back home to their sewer lair. And uh, Splinter says, great, you had your first fight. You won. Now let me tell you the story of your origin, uh, which he does all about, uh, you know, Oroku's Nagi, which is Shredder's older brother, and how he killed... uh, or how yeah, there's some death. There's some fighting between Amato Yoshi and Oroku Nagi. And then uh, Oroku Saki wants to get revenge on Hamato Yoshi for killing his brother Oroku Nagi. And then, uh, you know, Yoshi flees to New York. Saki follows. Uh, Saki eventually finds him, kills Tang Shen. Splinter gets knocked loose. Uh, the turtles get, you know, covered with ooze as a truck veers almost takes out a blind dude and then some other dude saves the blind dude and then a, the ooze hits turtle thing and splinter scoops him up into a coffee can and then you know he trains the turtles and ninja and now he's like hey you guys are going to be my avenging angels here go kill the sh- uh, shredder and Raphael goes and uh, sends shredder a message meet us on the roof and we're going to fight and then they fight and the shredders beat up or sorry the uh, the turtles beat up the foot uh, the Shredder beats up the turtles, and then Leonardo eventually, spoiler warning, kills Shredder, and that's the <laughs> end of the book. That's it. That is the Cliff's Notes version. Yeah. We'll get more into it, but that's the Mirage number one. How about the IDW number one, Adam? So IDW number one um, starts off in kind of a similar fashion. We we start off in the, in the middle of a fight, or not in the middle of a fight. They're kind of squaring off uh, between some street thugs, and... Splinter's actually there. It's Splinter and three of the turtles. Uh, 
Raph is missing for some reason. We meet this giant one-eyed cat man named Old Hob. We still don't really know what his whole deal is. Um, they get in a bit of a fight. Uh, turtles kick butt. This is starting to sound very similar. Uh, <laughs> Old Hob and Splinter have some words. Um, Hob gets his butt kicked as well. We then find out that Raph is missing, and it cuts to Raph kind of wandering the streets alone. Um, then we cut back to 18 months earlier. We meet April O'Neil. She's working at Stock Gen Research Labs. Uh, we find out that there's four turtles being experimented on, much like the Michael Bay series intro, which we'll get to. But uh, there's some stuttering scientist who explains, you know, what's going on. These turtles are being experimented on. We also meet this rat who just kind of they let wander around. He's part of some sort of experiment. Um, let's see. We we meet Baxter Stockman for the first time. He's on a teleconference with someone named General Krang, who we don't get to see. <laughs> I wonder what that's all about. Inquiring um, minds want to know. <laughs> right? God, this is, this is kind of intimidating. He's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Run, run, run. So then uh, th three months later, we learn Clock's the rat's... Ticking, dude. <laughs> three months later, we know the rat's name is Splinter, and he's part of some sort of uh, psychoactive drug research. Um, they call him Splinter because this drug is supposed to uh, splinter his different personalities, whatever that might mean. Um, April kind of takes offense to this because she thought that they were trying to you know, generate... Uh, some sort of livestock for third world countries. They're feeding the world. Here we find out they're doing psychotropic drug research on rats. Uh, we then learn that she's named all four turtles uh, after Renaissance painters because she's also taking a class in Renaissance. And then it cuts back to present day. We find Raph roaming the streets. He finds a pizza box in a dumpster, uh, eats the last piece of pizza, uh, starts roaming around and then f finds a t-shirt that says Cowabunga and then throws it in the trash. <laughs> and then he overhears uh, uh, a young man being abused by his father. Uh, he decides to take it amongst himself to kick the door in. And uh, he starts, uh, it, it ends on this, this splash page of Raph, like, you know, with his dukes up, ready to start a fight. And it says to be continued. I love that phrase, put up your dukes. <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely some similarities and some differences between these. I mean, th the most striking difference visually is, you know, let's let's talk about the basic, you know, canvas that we're working on here, black and white versus color. Um, the Mirage books are all done in this, you know, black and white kind of indie two-tone kind of thing here. They use all this duo shade board to get all these different kinds of shades gray. Gives the art a real kind of noir look, which, uh, you know, the Mirage issue one kind of lends itself nicely to. And then, you know, IDW is like all this like super modern looking comic book art with all these. I mean, the colors aren't too uh, vibrant. They're a little muted in issue one, but there's definitely, you know, there's more than none colors. I think that's uh, the IDW series goes through um, kind of a whole class of of artists and writers. Yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite artists on the series, Dan Duncan. Um, the other thing, the other cool thing about this first issue is all of the turtles' bandanas are red, which is how it always was originally. That changes over time. I'm not exactly sure when they start wearing different colors. It's within the first. 10 issues i think yeah i guess they're just like all right well that was fun let's uh let's not do that anymore <laughs> but, but not, I really... to, not to jump the gun they give a really nice explanation for it eventually like it's done in a really organic way oh, I, I forget it's been a while i mean i've been reading this since it came out which is geez when did this come out uh, uh it's it's a while now so if i'm looking at the inside cover it's uh, august 2011, 2011. yeah so yeah, it's been a while. Uh, they're actually we're almost up to issue 100 of the IDW series. It's pretty we're, impressive. I think we're into the 80s now. Uh, hopefully, they're going to do something big because a turtle series hasn't run that long before. This is the longest running turtle no, series. No, I was going to say I think volume one only ran up to like issue 62 or something like that. Something like that. The uh, city at war arc there, but uh, 
Um, yeah, it's a pretty huge milestone. I'd like to think that they celebrate it by doing some cool thing, but we're all the way back at issue number one. <laughs> I have a lot of catching up to do to get up to 80, but, you know, I like how they both start out to street fight. I was thinking earlier, like, you know, having read issue number one, it didn't, uh, of the Mirage series, it didn't strike me that the IDW book starts in a very similar fashion. Um, I always felt like the IDW book was throwing you more into the middle of the story. Like we have all these characters who are named, that we don't know. We have old Hob. We have a bad guy who's like introduced on page one. We know nothing about him. It's a very uh, Star Warsy way of starting a story, you know. Throw yeah, they right like the to middle. do that in the IDW series, where it's like, let's introduce the character and then we'll we'll get to it later. Like, yeah. It, and and they both both books kind of start like I almost want to say like in the middle, like we start with them as heroes fighting and then later we learn what their whole deal is. Yeah. And I, I think particularly the IDW book, I think part of the reason it feels like you're throwing so much into the middle of it is because not only do we meet old Hob, um, you, you meet splinter. We don't get any real origin story yet. And then you also learn that one of the brothers is missing. Like, you know, there's supposed to be four turtles. They kind of throw you a curveball by starting the story off only showing you three. And for some reason, the fourth one's gone. Like, there's an immediate cliffhanger on yeah. the first three pages. And, and this is something that happens a lot in in Turtles, where, like, one turtle will go missing or, like, turn evil or... That's you know, true. That like, is they're, a, they're down one a lot. That is a very prominent reoccurring theme. Um, we get to that in the Mirage comics. We get into that in the movie. Jeez, uh, does it happen in the cartoons? Probably. <laughs> um yeah so uh, origin stories the mirage book is is you know the tmnt 90 origin story that we basically talked about um with the twist of it's oroku nagi shredder's older brother who falls in love with tang shen and decides that well if she doesn't love him he's just gonna kill her Which and is... hamato yoshi sees him like Tr- killing her or trying to kill her and yoshi murders oroku nagi right Such so toxic masculinity yeah going on here. so yoshi being a member of the foot he's a prestigious uh you know martial artist and has high honor in this clan he is dishonored himself so his choice is either to kill himself or flee and he chooses to flee after murdering Nagi, who is a fellow member of the clan, right? So Yoshi flees. Um, Nagi, uh, Saki, Oroku Saki, God, this is so complicated. Yeah. Oroku Saki <laughs> is like eight in the Mirage book when we first meet him. Yeah. And he's at his, uh, oh, he's seven. I'm sorry. He's at his brother's funeral and swears vengeance. The Foot Clan kind of adopt him in and they rigorously train him so that he can one day go you know, kill Hamato Yoshi, which he goes to New York and he does. (laughs) And so he does. And that's like, there's all these kind of steps to get to the shredder origin part of the story. Like where shredder kills Yoshi splinter goes free. And then we get this whole, even the explaining the ooze in Mirage number one is convoluted because it's like, you know, there was a truck and it hit a bump and it swerved and a canister came out and there was a blind man in the road, but the <laughs> blind man was blind. So he couldn't see the canister coming. So some other guy jumped in the way and like knocked him out of the way, but the canister hit the other guy in the head. So th- not the blind guy, but the second guy it hit him near the eye. And then the canister bounced and it hit a can of turtles and knocked the turtles. Like it's, it's like 35 steps. And I understand what they're trying to do because they're also like, clearly that's meant to be like Matt Murdock. <laughs> yeah, it's like an alternate reality. Like, what if what if the toxic chemicals didn't get on Matt Murdock, but instead they fell into this sewer? Yeah. So, but it does get on Matt Murdock. That's the thing. Is like the canister hits him in the eye. Right, but the the ooze doesn't it. get on him. Well, not no. That's true. They don't specifically say the ooze gets on him, but they go through this really like it's it's kind of a convoluted origin story, which I guess it would have to be. Um. But I have to say it, man, the IDW origin just makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it has it it, it flows a little better. Like like they've you, had a few years have, to fine tune this. Yeah, like you, you have a reason the turtles were exposed. You have 
you know, that there's there's more. The, the only thing you don't really get in the IDW series until way way down the line is their relationship to Orokusaki. Yeah, and, you know, like why why they're a why they're even ninjas. Well, I don't even what? think it's that far down the line. I think it's probably within the the teens or twenties issues. I think where it that talks about all the reincarnation and stuff like that, well, right? Yeah, but in in comics terms, that's like a year yeah, or more, right? So I, I remember when I was reading this originally, I was just like, so there's just no ties to Japan. There's they're just <laughs> they're turtles, and they were like, hey guys, wouldn't it be cool if we knew karate? Well. It's funny because the IDW book comes out at a time when, like, the Michael Bay movie was about to start happening. Nickelodeon had just bought the Turtles. We've seen, like, Captain America and all this other super soldier serum stuff. And it's kind of what this is going with. So, like, this, the IDW origin makes more sense for, like, this period of time that we're sitting in now, right? Right. It's something that audiences are a little bit more, you know, prepared for. Whereas if you look at the Mirage book, I think all that sort of, like, Karate, Japanese, ninja stuff was very popular back in the 80s, and audiences at that time were probably more willing to accept that. You know, it was more in the pop culture back then, I would I would venture to say. And and with the, the Mirage series in this issue one, they cover a lot of ground. It's only about 10 pages longer than the IDW book, but they cover so much. And I... Uh, I always just imagine that's because with indie comics like this, you never knew if you were going to get a next issue. Well, and they they didn't plan on doing more than one. I mean, they kill the Shredder off in issue one. Like, the thing that would arguably go on to be one of the defining bad guys, the defining bad guy in this franchise, is dead in the first issue. (laughs) And as as you move into... That's like, okay, we're just going to kill Darth Vader in, you know, episode four. Just dead. In the first ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, as we move forward in the Mirage series, they then have to go from issues two all the way up to issue essentially what would be nine and a half, the Leonardo one shot before they even bring Shredder back. Like, and that's like three years of, of the Ninja Turtle comics coming out. It's like 1987 or 88 or something like that when that happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the the Mirage book ties everything into a nice little bow. You get a really good fight scene at the beginning with some fantastic art. You get where did the turtles come from, what's the conflict, and then you get a little bit of stuff. Shredder runs a security company, which is I think is really interesting. Like he's a, he's like a mob enforcer. He's like, oh, you need to pay for my protection to whatever clients he's talking to. Um, Raph gets to be stealthy. He's like taking out guards outside of Shredder's headquarters. He throws a note in there like, meet us on the roof. We're going to fight. And then the last little bit is the end of the first movie. It's the battle with the Shredder and some Foot Clan, right? Yeah. So it's two big action sequences, a little bit of a stealth ninja scene in an origin story. And that's the book. Like, it's a pretty tight little sandwich, but it does cover a lot of ground. Yeah. Um, What I feel like it doesn't do and again, because of the nature of what it is, is it doesn't really set up what comes next in Mirage. We kind of get an idea what the Turtles universe is. It feels like it's going to be this really dark, gritty, like, um, do a shot every time I say dark and gritty. Adam. <laughs> it's going to be this, you know, noirish, you know, black and white, violent. There's so much like blood and death in this book um, thing. And when we get issue two, and then three and four and the next handful, the next Mirage Turtle story arc is kind of nothing like this. Like they go into outer space. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like okay, cool, you uh, you defeated Baxter Stockman. Let's go to space. Yeah, like they do the Baxter Stockman thing, right? They meet April in the second book. Uh, so that's the only other character we've met: Shredder, Splinter, and the Turtles in this first book, right? Yeah, and we have no idea what else is coming. Um, we met April in book two, and then eventually, like this whole like idea of the turtles having these fantastical adventures kind of crops up, which continues through the Mirage stories. They have all these crazy like sci-fi sort of adventures, whereas this book, you know, Mirage number one, is grounded in th- its version of reality. Right? There's no flying saucers. There's no aliens. There's no robots. It's you know these genetic freaks versus a badass ninja, and that's the story. 
it doesn't really <laughs> set up the the broader turtle universe very well. Yeah, and what I like about uh, the IDW series too, we get to meet Old Hob right away, and that kind of tells the audience, okay, the the turtles aren't the only mutants in New York City. That so, is a really important point. That's a good point. So like, like here's this other guy. We're not really going to tell you who he is. We're just kind of going to drop a line saying, expect more well, mutants in New York Yeah, City. and they also do this thing where Splinter's like, I've fought him in the past. Yeah. So there's already, like, we're, we're expecting how did the turtles get to be turtles? How did Old Hob happen? Like, some of these questions get answered in the IDW book, but they leave a lot hanging. And, and also, Old Hob is, like, totally cool hanging out with this group of humans. Like, he's not trying to hide at all. He's fronting a gang of straight-up people. <laughs> right. Like, and they're like, cool, we're going to take orders from this cat. No problem. This eye patch wearing cat. <laughs> yeah. I like Dare that he has I say an eye patch. Like, it just makes it that much cooler. Pirate cat guy. <laughs> um, so it's, it's just funny. Like, it's sort of like, what is this world that we're in? Clearly, these gang members are seeing the turtles, and it's not a big deal. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the stock gen stuff in the, uh, IDW book there, the introduction of April O'Neil, if you wouldn't yeah. mind. So she, she seems to be a, uh, I guess like a grad student or some sort of science student. Um, so she's which, working in and of itself, kind of an homage to the Mirage books, which is nice. Yeah. A Mirage homage. A, a Mirage plantation. homage. mirage <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, so she she's working for Stockgen thinking they're they're doing research in, you know, like feeding third world countries. Like she she wants to do great things. Right. But she we kind of figure out kind of right away that Stockgen isn't really on the up and up. Um hang on, let me see here. Yeah, like we meet this creepy scientist Chet who like they write him to have like this stutter thing going on. Right. And he's always, like, every panel, his arms are crossed, and he's kind of, like, guarded. You know, from a body language point of view, he's he's kind of awkward. Um, and then just dialogue, like, things slip out between him and then his assistant that he's working with there, uh, Lindsay or whatever. Um, and it's just, there's there's definitely something fishy happening. And we also know that... that- Stockman is preparing for some sort of war with this guy named General Krang. And we know just by the name Krang that this is he's some sort of alien brain. Right. We also know, okay, so as soon as we get, where do they introduce Stockman? Is it Krang who says Stockman's name? Uh, let's see. Yes, he's on the phone. Or yes. no, uh, he's, he's on, it's like some assistant. He's on the phone and says, Dr. Stockman. He goes, yes, Margaret. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. And she's so, like, General, I have General Krang on the line. We're getting all kinds of little Easter eggs in this book, which I like. You know, we get the red bandanas, which is clearly an homage uh, to Mirage. We get April being a scientist, number one. And number two, she's wearing yellow, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Number three, we get Baxter Stockman, who they've returned to his original ethnicity, as it was in the Mirage comics. Number four, we get General Krang. So we're already rolling in the Easter eggs here. So it's <laughs> I relating like, to the Tudor, turtle universe really, really well. <laughs> I, I like that Gen, there's this cutback to General Krang, and he's just a desk in shadow and then like a gloved hand. Like it's almost like a Dr. Claw kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah, we've got Krang, but we're not going to show you Krang. Yeah, we don't know what Krang is. Well, and that's the whole thing this book does is it sort of like gives you all these expectations and then subverts them. Yeah. Um and as we flip through like, you know, we we figure out that April's the one that names the turtles, which is I can't remember if this came before the Michael Bay movies or if the Michael Bay movie like it's all sort of around the same time, but they clearly are borrowing from the same sort of story points. Like April named the turtles in the Michael Bay movie too. So, that's kind of another little tie-in to the broader turtle universe. I also like that we learn their names as pet turtles. Right. Yeah, well, again, which is, she did that in the the Michael Bay movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And they each have, like, certain personalities. Like, like Leo's off by himself. Um, Yeah, Donnie's studying a bug in his turtle tank. Right. (laughs) Just staring at it. (laughs) Michelangelo. And uh, and Mikey's just gorging himself on lettuce. (laughs) Yeah. 
and uh, Raphael's off in the corner. He's the feisty one. Yeah, he's the feisty one. Um, you know, there's as we turn the page too in the IDW book, you get Raphael digging for food and he finds pizza. He's like, yes. Yeah. And then you get the Kawabunga t-shirt and he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the end like you said earlier we we see this kid getting beat up by his dad and it turns out to be some kid named casey what's you know? interesting and, what's interesting about this fight is like so that's his dad um beating up on him and he looks completely completely different from when we see him later in the series the dad or casey the dad that okay. so if that's supposed to be hun Oh yeah, it's not what he looks like at all. I forget how I forget how, how that that origin comes to be. Like I don't know if maybe this isn't really his dad, or if they were just like, screw it, we're just going to change the character completely. Yeah, maybe I'd have to go back and reread it again, which we'll probably do at some point for this podcast. But um, I mean, this Casey looks a little bit like is it the uh, the two thousand seven Casey with the short dark hair? Yeah. So, you know, and, and who finds him? Raph. It's always Raph and Casey. Like, that that bromance is clearly a nod to iterations past. It's great. I, I always like that team up. Um, I just actually got, they re-released this book called uh, Body Count. Yeah. Um, it was this really crazy uh, book that, that Kevin Eastman, I forget what the writer or the artist was. Give me one sec. Sure. We have it right here. Thank God we're sitting close to our comic book collections. I'm always close to <laughs> comics. I have comics all Turn over. Turn around house. and there's my shelf. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Simon Beasley or Beasley? No, Beasley. <laughs> Probably saying it wrong. So they they got together and did this insanely violent series called Body Count, where like Raph ha- like uses a gun, but it's Dear it's God. just Raph and Casey just killing their way. <laughs> Across the country to help save. Wait, this is woman. this is this Mirage? Uh, it, I don't think it was originally Mirage. Uh, the reprint was Top Shelf Comics or oh, co- okay. Top Shelf uh, Productions, but it's still uh, produced by Nickelodeon, which is odd because oh, so it's recent. So it's an IDW book, right? It's not. It's a reprint. This came out in the nineties. Oh. But, 1997. Um, yeah. Okay. But it was just recently re-released as a hardcover with uh, the art is nuts. It's it it almost has kind of a Frank Miller style about it, but Oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. But it's like weirder. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read um The Max. I haven't. Um they made an MTV sh- series about it. It the art reminds me of that in a way. Hmm. That's definitely interesting. I'd have to look into that. I might have to go to the comic shop. Um, <laughs> but uh but yeah, it's it's that that Raff and, and Casey team up. It's always a lot of fun. Yeah, so I mean clearly the IDW book is pulling inspiration from all the things that come before it. However, the IDW book also does a really good job of like leaving you wanting more. Um just by the fact that it's leaving a lot of story threads unfinished you know old hob Raphael. how did the turtles go from being in the tank to being what they are now we never really figure that out yeah um, they, they who have is this, this w- general crane guy and then does raf save casey like all these different threads are started in this one book and you're like have to read issue two i need to know where this is going that it's good comic book writing because i feel like every comic book that i've ever really really loved and like got sucked into was written in in kind of a way that almost makes you feel like you missed an issue while you're reading it. <laughs> like X Men always does that to me. Like, yeah, like, I'll be reading something like, wait, when did this happen? Is and there the a next thing I, I know, somewhere. What? Yeah. <laughs> next thing you know, I'm digging through back issues. Like, right. like when did this happen? Where am I in this story? Let me try to catch up. It, like, I I love that kind of storytelling. I, I know it's yeah. it's probably not great storytelling but it's it's a way that i always end up getting sucked i mean i think it's good comic book storytelling because otherwise i mean you got to get people to buy the next issue comics are all about like buy the next issue if you don't leave questions unanswered no one's going to do it it's kind of miraculous that the mirage series uh you know went as it went like that they 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 made more because the whole thing is just such a complete story 
Um, yeah. You know, they really bookend it. Like, where do you go? The turtles avenge their master. That's the, the conflict is set up in the issue and it's resolved in the same issue to the point where the last pa- uh, page of the book even says, you know, we strike hard and fade away into the night. Like, goodbye. We're gone. <laughs> no more. <laughs> yeah. And people wanted more. I, I, I feel like it was one of those things where even as they were drawing it, they're like, what are we doing? Like, like, <laughs> Who's going to want this? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's it's great. It's I mean, that first book is so good and so unique to the point where, like, I've been rereading the Mirage series for fun in my own time here. And when you get up to, like, issue – I'm trying to think of what it was. Like, seven or eight, they have this letters column in the Mirage books, right? And and thankfully, most of mine are, like, first or second printing, so I still have all the letters columns in them. And people are writing, complaining. They're like, this book has gone off the rails. Like, what's all this sci-fi stuff? Why don't you get back to what you were at doing in issue one and two, right? Yeah. Why are the turtles in space? Who are these Triceratops aliens? Like, why are there robots that are people? Like, that's not what we signed up for when we read the first issue. And to Eastman and Laird's credit, they printed that crap in the book. And they're just like, we don't care. It's our book. We're writing it. We like it. <laughs> yeah. And all that stuff eventually, you know, the Triceratons made their way into the 2003 series and the 2012 series. Like all those things have filtered into all the different versions of Turtles media. I mean, Jesus Christ, the uh, Turtles three movie is pretty much just a a, a spinoff of the issue seven with Cerebus the Aardvark, where they go back in time with some magic scepter. Oh man, I forgot that there was a. Uh... A crossover with Cerebus. You'd you'd be amazed at how often Cerebus shows up in Turtle Comics in the first seven issues. Dave Sim is amazing. Yeah, those are like Easter egged at least three or four times before he actually shows up in issue seven in that crossover. And they cross over with Usagi Yojimbo a lot too. Later, yeah. They do get some Usagi stuff. I don't have those books though, which bothers me. They did a really good, um, it was like a giant size special, I want to say last year or the year before. It was so good. Yeah, I always love that stuff, man. It's always real. I have one random Usagi Yojimbo book that I I don't even know when I got it. It might have been a free comic book day thing, but I've always meant to go back and get more, and I never have. I have a whole bunch. He started writing them again. Um, Oh, nice. God, I forget that artist's name. Stan Sakai? Stan Sakai. Uh, He started writing them again like a couple years ago, and he just kind of picked up right where he left off. Oh, nice. And they're great. He he keeps his story arcs to like a kind of like a six issue series. Yeah. That's easily digestible. Yeah. They're kind of independent of each other, and they're always like these little murder mysteries. Nice. And the artwork is just so fantastic. His line work the, is so clean. The Usagi arc on the 2012 series was awesome with the little pug. Yes. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. Very well done. Um, but, you know, the point is, as much as I love issue one of the Mirage book, it had very little to do with a lot of the other comics that came after. It is, I guess, more of an inspiration on the the cartoon and clearly on the movies but as far as the comic books the the rest of the mirage run um they don't really circle back to this kind of feel until like issue 10 and then again in issue 19 through 21 they do that city uh uh return to new york arc yeah and then way at the end of the series they do city at war and those are sort of like the three really like real life air quote turtle things where it's like all based in new york there's no aliens it's like turtles versus shredder versus foot kind of stuff um that could almost be if you took issue one of mirage and then jump to the leonardo one shot issue 10 and then a couple of like issue 11 which is the northampton stuff that has like the when casey and don are working on the truck cut 19 20 21 into there and then go from like issue 50 to 62 that's like one mirage story arc right and then all the other issues are completely bonkers <laughs> <It's just laughs> and have bananas. nothing to do with them <laughs> they're great don't get me wrong but like it's this there's there's like the dark and gritty turtles and then there's like the sci-fi we're hanging out with fugitoid turtles yeah and the idw series does a really good job of kind of stitching everything together like we get elements from the cartoon we get elements from the mirage series 
we get elements from the Archie comics. Like you get Wingnut and Screw Loose in an, <laughs> in an issue. Um, they did a whole issue with that Worm character, which was nuts. Oh yeah. Um, well, and I think the amazing thing about it too, it, not to cut you off, but they've got Kevin Eastman working on it. Like the fact that he is like willing to bring all that stuff in. Yeah. Is amazing, and I'm sure you know. There's other people helping to write on it as well, but like, they just pull from everything. They've had th- almost 30 years or something like that of turtles now to draw on, and they do it really, really well in the IDW books. Yeah, and Eastman even does uh, variant covers here and there. I have a few of those. You know yeah. what else I really like? We didn't talk about is they cop the logo. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the front cover is like the logo from the Mirage series. Yeah, that hand lettered. Kind of thing, and I don't think they've ever changed that for the main IDW run. I think it's always been the same. Yeah, yeah. So that's just nice. That makes me happy. Also, there's a lot of like they earn the praise in it. You know, they they've proven to the fan community that they are like real turtle fans writing this book. They've garnered a lot of trust. You know, just from from doing things right for so long, from treating the characters with respect. And they, they toss in a lot of really subtle Easter eggs, and IDW does this in a lot of their comics. They, do, they have a lot of franchise books, like they did Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, oh, G.I. Joe. I do Joe. love the Ghost... The, uh, the, I bought a bunch of the Back to the Future stuff. They're really good. The <laughs> Ghostbusters books I've been really, really enjoying. Who's writing the Ghostbuster ones? I'm not really sure. I think they bounce around a bit. Because I know Back to the Future, like Bob Gale was writing them. <laughs> like they got the guy that wrote the movie to write a bunch of the comic books that counts that's canon right <laughs> yeah but but they do things like in ghostbusters there's one scene where they run into an alternate version of themselves and i'm looking at the way they're dressed and i'm like why does that look familiar and i remember there was an alternate run of the of the toy line and they're dressed exactly like those versions of of the toys. Oh wow, really? Yeah, it's nuts. And uh there's one in this first issue if you the look at the toy line from the cartoon yeah, like um, I, there were there was a toy line where like if you squeezed Ray's arm, his uh, his goggles went up and down. Oh. But he's wearing like his usual khaki suit, but it's the front of it's open, and he's got a Ghostbusters T-shirt under it. Like he's oh. dressed like that in the book. It's it, like I love the way they do that. That is that is stealth. I like that a lot. But on the on the first page of of this Turtles one issue, the first panel. If you look at the background, there's like um, some buildings on the left and right, and in the middle there's some junky cars piled on top of each other. Yeah, that's the ex- almost the exact backdrop of the Turtles Two video game in on the NES. I Wait, think it's, what? I think it's the your arcade fighting, game. Yeah, you're fighting Bebop, and he's got like the the bowling ball swinging around on top of his head. This is that backdrop. Wait a minute. It, in the game or on the cover? In the game. Hang on. Turtles arcade game fighting Bebop. I need to see that because I've never noticed that. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Wow. All yeah, right. Well done. Well done. Good they, find. They drop <laughs> stuff like that in all the time. And if you have a keen enough eye, you'll, you'll notice it. It's just... They have such an attention to detail, and they're such fans of the franchises. Like, everyone they get to work on these franchise books are, are just, they're fans at heart. They really are, man. It gets, what gives me hope for, like, the next Turtles movie, like, there are people out there in this industry who are getting chances to add to this uh, uh, canon, and some of them are doing it really well. Like, even the first Michael Bay movie, like, I'll give him credit. It was, it was passable, Um a lot of the story points are pulled directly from the, like the IDW kind of origin. Like I can believe that, but then they, you know, they ruin it with some other stuff, but like there's, <laughs> there's hope, man. I'm like, I'm hopeful. <laughs> Give the IDW guys the keys to the movies. Do that for me. Yeah. Or at least Kevin Eastman. I, I want to give them Ghostbusters cause they've done such an amazing job with creating um, a franchise canon with Ghostbusters, like they've done a whole multiverse thing. So the original team, uh, they're in the same canon as the Answer the Call female team, ah, and the same canon as the real Ghostbusters cartoon team. Like they've really <laughs> done a good job of knitting everything together. Yeah, I I think that to to sort of 
answer our original thesis statement, I think the IDW book functions better as an issue one of a series. Uh, whereas I think the Mirage Comics issue is probably a really good standalone graphic novel. Yeah. Um, the IDW book doesn't work on its own. Like no. you, there's no ending. It's, it doesn't have a clear beginning, middle, and end. It's, and you don't get you don't get very much in just this issue. Yeah, which I feel like is the trend that happens in comics now. Anyway, like I think even back to like the Batman Hush arc, and like each one of those is kind of a self-contained story, but there's so many things that are left hanging from one issues, or even the Astonishing X Men that Joss Whedon did. Yeah, um, they leave so much on the table each issue. That you just have to get the next one. Yeah, you gotta subscribe. And with X Men, it's like it's not even that. It's like you have to buy nineteen other titles to right. even understand what the hell is. Which going I'm on. getting to that point with the IDW Turtles book. It's making me nervous now because I know you said they're like at issue eighty of the regular run, but then there's also all those like other offshoots that are happening too. It's not quite as bad as X Men. <laughs> well, it doesn't <laughs> quite have the history of X Men at the time. And they did a, a lot of the same kind of stuff that Mirage did, where each character gets like their own one shot now and again. They do these little micro series. Yeah. Um, they also did a series called uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Universe, where it kind of covers um, more detail on some of the secondary characters as well as uh, the main four. Right. Which uh, it, I liked bits and pieces of it. There, there were some storylines in the universe title that just kind of went down a rabbit hole. But now, um, do you have a do you have a, a print copy of IDW one? Yeah. Which I, turtle cover do you have? I have Raph. Oh, I have, I have Mikey. A. Oh, nice. So they have. I'm looking at the inside front cover, and it lists all the different uh, variant covers. And uh, yeah, I have. The Raph one. I would have loved to have get the Kevin Eastman cover. I do have a couple of the variants that he did for some of the later issues. But uh, I'm um, actually, I'm in the process of moving right now. And I, I've been going through all my comics. I need to, I need to sell some and just kind of get rid of some because I have so uh, many. Yes. And I've been kind of keeping all the Turtles stuff together. Um, yeah. I have mostly just the IDW books. I have a couple of reprints of the Mirage stuff, but I think I, I have when they reprinted them in color. Ah, yeah. But uh, all Still of my good. IDW books take up an, an entire short box. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's like the IDW series is now a short box of comics. That's crazy. Yeah, I <laughs> I just have – I don't even have like the long or short boxes anymore. I just have other things to hold comics in, like from Ikea. I fit on my shelves really nicely. But uh, I could build an I iron throne in a short box at oh, this man. point. Oh, man. I had to pare down a lot of comics. I gave away a lot of stuff that I don't read anymore, and I still need to do more. Like, I have 800 issues of, like, random Buffy the Vampire Slayer comics that I'm never going to read again. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like one of these days, Adam, when you're in your new house and we get together for a, a, a Ninja Turtles Minute uh, group hang, we'll, uh, we'll have to compare comic collections. I'll bring my stuff out and we can, uh, swap. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of two long boxes of comics. Well, if there's um, any turtles in there, I'll take them. No, I'm keeping all that stuff. <laughs> the, the, the stuff I'm keeping, like I made it, I made a decision. I'm keeping turtles, um, amazing Spider-Man, ah. X-Men. And I think I'm going to keep Punisher. Everything else just kind of has to go. Which yeah. is a lot. It's so it's, it's much. It's that thing of like you want to have the issues for sentimental reasons, but eventually, like you know, you're never gonna read them again. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of long past. I used to have this weird obsession where, when I found holes in my collection, I would get weird about it, and like, like it would almost yeah. keep me up at night that I was like missing. The, there, there's this whole twelve <laughs> issue series of Uncanny that I don't have. It's like, oh no. Whatever, man. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm kind of over it. So I getting, was, I was like that for a while in high school, and then once college get, it became a thing, and I didn't have money to spend anymore because you know books and food. Yeah. Um, I just stopped buying comics, and it's been a long time since I've regularly gotten comics. I I got back into it for the turtles a little bit, and I even fell off that wagon. So. Now I have to go get a whole bunch of collected editions of the IDW book so I can so I can catch up. Yeah, I don't I think have, I can uh, commit to doing it online. I, I I I wish I could do that, but there's something to me about like having a Ninja Turtles book. I need to have the book. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've had a regular pull at my comic shop for the past God, man, probably 15 years. Oof. It's nuts. Like it gets. I once. <laughs> it gets so, out of control, man. <laughs> I I had a I had a regular pull at uh, my store back 
where I grew up. It's called Ravenwoods Comics in uh, New Hartford, New York. And uh, when I went away to college, I stopped checking my pull. And I got really self-conscious about it to the point where I haven't been back there. Dude, that, <laughs> because that happened. I that, thought they were going to be mad at me for not coming to pick up my box. That happened to me a few years back. Um, the for one all guy, I know, I still have a giant pull box that's 10, 15 years old now. <laughs> no, they dropped you. <laughs> I hope so. Jesus. But there, I, I've been going to the same comic shop since I was uh, probably 14. Um, it's for, I think this is like the longest relationship I've had in my life at this point. <laughs> But um, they just really get you, man. Yeah. So the the one guy who ran the place, his name was Eric, or his name still is Eric. He just doesn't work <laughs> there anymore. But uh, but yeah, I've known Eric for twenty years, and I I hit like a tight spot with cash, and my pull was was pretty big at the time. So I just hadn't been to the shop in a few weeks, and then a few weeks turned into two months, oh, no. and then I'm like, oh my god, that's like three hundred dollars worth of books sitting at the shop. <sighs> And then I, I kept getting like so self-conscious about it. And the one day I went in just to kind of like clear the air and be like, guys, look, I'm real sorry. And it was a, a different guy working. He had kind of just started. I don't, I don't say he just started, but he like he and I didn't have much of a rapport. And he was kind of like he was kind of pissed off about it. And he he would kind of like gave me a little bit of discipline. He's like, yeah, we dropped your books. So like if you want to pull again, you're going to have to start a whole brand new pull and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I, I felt real bad about it. And I went back in the next week and Eric was there and I, I like started profusely apologizing to him. And he's like, dude, what, how long have you been coming here? It's, it's no big deal. <laughs> I was just like, man, I have, I have some cool friends, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just looking at the covers of these now. Like the IDW books are three 99 an issue. I think Mirage turtles. One was a buck 50. The first Archie comic. Was uh, is that the first comic? Which one do I have here? It's uh, yeah, Adventures first edition collector's issue. I'm guessing that's number one. Damn. Uh, was a dollar, and like comics are, they've gotten more expensive, man. That's not a, it's not a cheap thing. I it's, guess it probably keeps not. up with inflation, but yeah, I try to, I try to, I, I groom my my pull all the time. Like I'm constantly cutting stuff out. I try to keep it down to like like 10 bucks a week or like 15 bucks a week. Yeah, that's not too bad. Which even then it's it's kind of up there. I also have a Comicsology Unlimited subscription which is only like 6 bucks a month and the amount of stuff you get on that subscription is pretty uh it's pretty worth it. It's like it's, what it's like buying one comic book a month but you get like thousands of comics. That's pretty awesome. We're not am, uh we're not sponsored by Comicsology Unlimited. No, but, but if, if someone out there to, is listening, please do. I'm looking through this Archie Comics number 1 just for for giggles right now. And uh man, I didn't even realize I had this. The artwork <laughs> is pretty awful. It's a toy commercial. Right. But no, it's I mean there's actually like it's more like a cartoon episode, right? Yeah, um, but like it's but it's and it actually pulls from a couple of the issues of the or episodes of the show. But the coloring is really weird too. Like, I, there's some weird shots of April. Like the artwork is just really inconsistent. Shredder is wearing a weird outfit, <laughs> and he's different colors and different scenes. And like his face mask is purple for a while. Krang's android body is just like all white. Well, you know, I think <laughs> like I, he has I like white pants that. on. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. I'm glad we didn't want to talk about this one for this episode because I don't know if I could get through the whole thing. I thought of bringing it up, and then that's <laughs> maybe we'll much do maybe we'll do another issue ones of other various turtles series at some point. The cover art on this one is really cool. Cover art is Eastman and Laird and Steve Levine, I think. Um, a lot of the cover art that I've seen has been, um, at least for the reprints. Oh God, why his name's. For the Archie? Yeah. Uh, is it Ryan Brown? No, hang on. Give me one sec. Let me pull this one up. Volume three is one that I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, I know Ryan Brown did a lot of the, the cartoon-style turtles for Mirage back in the day. He was like their licensing artwork guy. Oh, Jim Lawson is who I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, Lawson's the guy who did volume four. Yeah, Lawson did a lot of the uh, the covers for um, the IDW republish of Adventures. They did oh, a bunch wow. of like thick volumes. 
Yeah, Jim Lawson, who I just recently followed on Twitter and would love to get him on our show at some point. <laughs> I have a he when he was doing the artwork for Volume Four, which is the one that was exclusively written by Peter Laird. Um, towards the end of that run, they're like, "We're gonna put out the first, you know, five hundred of these issues are gonna have a like a sharpie drawing by Jim Lawson in the back," and I got one of those. So I have an issue of Volume Four with a, like a hand drawn piece of art by Jim Lawson on the inside cover. Just a quick nice. little turtle head, but still pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then at one point, God, I think I got a hold of him in an email and like sent him a picture of a turtle I drew, and he was like, "Hey, that's pretty good. I like your style." And I was like, ah. <laughs> "But all right, well, we're getting a little off the rails here. Let's let's oh, sum hang, it up, man. Hang on, issue uh, ones. I'm actually I'm I was just digging through some oh. of these uh, turtles adventures. Jim Lawson did a lot of the artwork in those. I, I, that wouldn't surprise me. He like Lawson, Levine, Michael Dooney. Those guys were all doing a bunch of different uh, Mirage projects back then. Michael Dooney is the guy who ended up print doing a lot of uh, press work for the first movie. There's that painted version of the first Turtles poster, like a teaser poster, mm. um, which is a Michael Dooney piece. He did all the covers on the Volume Four stuff. He did a couple of issues of the interiors on Mirage uh, volume one. He's the guy that does all the really like detail. He's like the Alex Ross of the Ninja Turtles. He does like all the detailed paintings. Yeah. 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 I, I met him at a comic con a couple of years back. He was a nice dude. Nice. Yeah. So all good. Uh, but yeah, man, issue ones, Mirage versus IDW. There you go. I guess we'll leave it up to the fans to decide which one does the job better. I think that uh, I think it, I, as much as I want to give it to Mirage, I think IDW is a better first issue of a series. Yeah, it grabs you. Yeah. And it leaves you wanting more. Yeah. All right. You want to take us out? It's your job now. Oh, man. I don't even know all the stuff <laughs> we're supposed to say. <laughs> well, follow us on Twitter. That's a good one. There it is. Uh, you know Instagram. all that stuff. Why don't you take us out? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TMNT Minute. Uh, this show is going to be out there forever, so if you haven't listened to the Movie Minutes, the TMNT Minute regular show, go listen to that. DuelingGenre.com is the place to get a lot of great podcasts, and if you go to DuelingGenre.com slash support, you can become a Patreon member. It is entirely possible that bonus episodes such as this will be exclusively for Patreon members in the future, but uh, you're all getting this one for free for now, so you're welcome. Yay. All right. Well, for us, for me and Adam, I guess we'll say goodbye and we'll catch you guys next time on TMNT Minute Presents Back Issues. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Who's going to say Kawabunga? Oh, man. Uh, Kawabunga? All right, there we go. <laughs>